Welcome to the SBCA podcast, Component Connection. Hello, my name is Jess Lewis, and today I'll be your host for SBCA's podcast, looking back at historical and significant figures in SBCA's history. Our guest today is Scott Ward, owner of Southern Components, located in Shreveport, Louisiana. Scott is a past president of SBCA, currently an executive committee member and QC committee chair. He is a 2016 SBCA Hall of Fame inductee and was the 2014 SBC Industry Leadership Award winner. Previously, Scott served on SBCA's management committee as chair and is one of a small group of people to serve two terms as SBCA president. Welcome to the SBCA podcast, Scott. Thanks for having me, Jess. All right. Well, we know you're in Louisiana now. Is that where you've always been and where you grew up? Yep. I was born and uh, raised right here in northwest Louisiana. Okay. It's kind of hard to fake that accent, isn't it? <laughs> well, yeah. It's uh, it's definitely a little bit of Cajunese, I guess is what we call it. <laughs> All right. Did you uh, end up going to school near home? Uh, I went to uh, college at LSU, which is in Baton Rouge, for a while. Then I transferred to Louisiana Tech, which is a school in Ruston, Louisiana, which is about an hour away from home. So, yeah, everything's been fairly close to home. Okay. So from, from the Tigers to the Bulldogs? That's it. That's it. Yeah. We won't get into the reasons why. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you probably still follow the LSU football team a little closer than La Tech, right? Uh, I do. I do. I'm a tiger. All right. Oh, that's good. Well, give us some information on how uh, Southern Components was started and when you came into the picture. Uh, so it was started in 1960 as Gangnail uh, Trust. It was a franchise back then. Uh, two guys who owned businesses here in town. Uh, they had a connection with my grandmother as well who owned. Uh, so all of them owned building material dealerships in town in Shreveport, Louisiana. Uh, through her, through my grandmother, my dad was asked to come help start the business with these guys. Um, and he was uh, eventually given a really small amount of stock in return. And as time went on, uh, he eventually bought out the other partners. And uh, our family now has 100% ownership of the business. Uh, we actually changed our name to uh, Southern Components in 1980 uh, because Gangnail Trust didn't like us buying equipment from another vendor is how that went down so yeah there's a couple couple themes there that kind of ring true to today that we might get into here a little bit later but uh when did you get involved with southern components so actually after uh school i you know i've always wanted to work for my dad uh, I, I just was intrigued by the the product that he was manufacturing um so i i came to work for him in 1995 um funny story is is uh he wouldn't hire me so he made me go to our production manager at the time to get a job so that's uh that's how i got hired i had to had to beg to come to work here <laughs> <laughs> yeah did i read somewhere once that you uh wanted to become an attorney or an early age i did actually i was in uh, pre-law in college i really thought that that's the direction i wanted to head um i still in, am intrigued by that uh field as well but it just uh, just didn't pan out i think there was a lot more book reading than i had anticipated and decided it probably wasn't for me yeah well with everything you know building trusses and, and components today it's almost like you have to have a background in law to make sure you're doing everything right the as many hurdles and, and pitfalls as there are so you you started with the production manager and you had to 
you know, essentially apply for a job and, and go from it there. What what drew to drew you to it originally? Was it just the fact that well, it was a family thing, or yeah, it was it was my dad. It, you know, if I wanted to spend time with my dad, uh, I, you know, I had to come up here on the weekends, and uh, he would put my bike in the back of his truck, and I would just ride my bike around the shop while the guys built trusses. But you know, ever since I was a little kid, I was always exposed to you know, what he had going on. And, and during those years, you know, it was a building process, um, you know, so they were really trying to grow the business. So he was here a lot. So yeah, if I wanted to, to hang with, with dad, I, I had to come up to the shop every now and then. Yeah. I can certainly relate, relate to that growing up. Uh, you know, when you were first working there, you know, and, and getting going and things, what were, uh, some of the early challenges that you remember for both for you personally, and then if you can kind of put your, your mindset, what were the challenges for the company? Uh, I'll tell you, I remember how hard it was to actually manufacture trusses. So we had those old uh, compress machines and the wood top tables, uh, the, the whole entire table. So they were, I don't know, just probably 70, 80 foot long. And those things were connected by chains that ran in and out of the building. And as the, the truss went out, the compress would, would come down and stamp each joint so it had to stop at each joint and man you talk about a challenge that was some of the early days of building trusses on wood top tables and i can just remember that sticking out of my mind there there were big uh maintenance issues with them all the time and it was just very difficult to set a truss up so yeah it was definitely a challenge then and then i guess first coming on for myself with the perspective from uh everybody else working there is that how is this kid coming in here going to act uh, he's the owner's son is he going to be you know a jerk or is he going to work or you know what's going to happen there so I, I think that that was a, a big challenge to overcome um, and of course you know my old man was there to keep me in check with all that for sure I'm, I'm guessing it worked out since you you made it this far <laughs> well either that or he didn't have much of a choice but yeah I, I think I think it worked out okay so from the production line, where did you, you know, kind of walk us through the uh, the different positions and how you came to where you are now? Yeah, so, you know, I, I drove, uh, like most of us uh, kids who had parents that had trust plants, you know, I drove the forklift, ran the saws a little bit, worked on the tables. Uh, I was eventually promoted into the management of the production end. Um, and so, you know, that was a, a big challenge. I spent probably... I don't know, about 12 years or so back there, and then uh, worked my way up into sales. Um, I learned to do, you know, takeoffs on house plans, and uh, then I had to work in the design department for a little while to get my feet wet there, and then uh, eventually uh, started helping my dad run the business um, back in 2007. Uh, he was still pretty much making most of the, the bigger decisions and trying to, to coach me along the way. And then I guess about 2010, 2011, he just uh, backed out and, and let me run the show. It's an awesome responsibility, but he's still around. So, you know, I, I think that that's a great thing. I think it's it's awesome to have your parents uh, be with you through some troubling times, especially the learning curve. So it's been a, been a blessing to have him here. Well, yeah, in 07, you kind of got through into the, the thick of things, you know, with, with everything that happened to you know, those few years in there too. So, um, 
you know, so there's obviously was that, so you probably had a heck of a learning experience, but as far as the different areas, I know we all fall in love with, with our jobs at, you know, especially growing up, you know, in the business at, at different parts with different stages, which if you were to look back and try to point, pinpoint a favorite, you know, whether it was the production table or the deliveries or anything like that, do you have a one that you kind of look back fondly that sticks out? Well, I, I love the production end. Uh, I just, you know, I feel like it's the, the heartbeat of our industry. So as far as the fabrication of the product on the tables and the saws, uh, just the sound of the machinery and the smell of the wood, it, it just always brings back uh, childhood memories for me. So I, I always have a big heart and a passion for production. Well, that's good. All right, kind of fast forwarding a little bit into uh, today. Describe your day-to-day with uh, Southern Components now. What what kind of keeps you busy or where where's your time spent? Uh, well, my days are chaotic, um, but rewarding at the same time. You know, one thing I've learned over all these years is that uh, if you want to be a great leader, you got to be an even greater servant. Um, so I, I think my primary duties, you know, overall are just general oversight of all the departments. Uh, you know, I do the same thing that most of us do in this position, you know, signing contracts, reviewing proposals, uh, insurance, legal issues, uh, just day-to-day stuff uh, that we, we all have to battle through, uh, the lumber issues that we, we deal with. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's mostly just being there for our, our team and trying to, to listen, learning to be a good listener, and then doing what they need to do, you know, do, or helping them do what they need to do to be successful. So that's, that's pretty much what keeps me busy. And uh, SBCA stuff too. I'll throw that in there. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get to SBCA here in a, <laughs> in a little bit. But uh, you know, what are the challenges or what troubles you as a component manufacturing operation owner today? What you know, from a broader perspective, outside of just your individual business, but more of the industry as a whole? What keeps you up at night, or what uh, what do you spend a lot of time thinking about, or, or concerns you in general? Uh, I would have to say people. Uh, they're our biggest challenge. They're the most valuable asset we have, but uh, at the same time, it's uh, the most difficult area to master. And I'm not sure anyone can even master the art of managing people, uh, but I certainly want to get better at it. I mean, we've implemented several key tools to, to help me with that challenge, especially uh, tools for hiring. And then I brought on a full-time HR director to help me as well. But I, I think what keeps me up at night is just you know, the uh, uncertainty and instability of, of people wanting to stay with you and be loyal. Uh, you know, the days uh, that my dad had running this business where people stayed, you know, 25 and 30 years, I think a, a lot of that is gone from us in, in the industry now. So the challenges of finding good people, uh, the challenges of retaining good people, I, I think that that's the key to our success. Um, you know, I always strive to to find people that are much smarter than me for our team in order to be successful. So it's just a, it's a big challenge. Yeah. Yeah, it sure is. And that's, you know, it's very common to hear component manufacturers talk about the people element of it. And it's, you know, there's, there's tools and there's tricks and there's things to, to do, you know, to get involved with, to, to try to help that or ease those burdens. And I guess I'm kind of curious about, uh, I know you and your company's history has had a long history with, with SBCA. Why don't you, I guess, kind of a two-part question, tell us how Southern Components became in, involved with what would have been WTCA at that point, and then you personally with, with SBCA more recently. 
so my dad was one of the uh, original guys that was uh, involved in WTCA. He was recruited by Rip Rogers, uh, who worked for Barnes, uh, who is now Trustway at the time. Uh, so dad, you know, was one of the original guys. He was a past president, Hall of Famer himself. Um, you know, so we've been involved with uh, WTCA from, you know, for many, many years. Uh, I was always, uh, I always attended BCMC since I came to work here uh, full-time in 95. Um, and so, you know, as, as the years progressed, I think, I can't remember which staff member asked me to uh, participate on the board uh, as a chapter rep for, uh, at that time we had Mid-South Component Manufacturers uh, chapter going full blast. And, and that's how I got involved. I was, I was the chapter rep on the board for Mid-South Component. I uh, certainly had no idea what I was getting myself involved with, but uh, it's it's been a it's been a great experience. Does I don't know if anybody really has a clear idea what they're getting involved with once they. they kind of <laughs> I don't in, either. You know, and that and that's a good thing because I I don't think there's anybody that would say it was less than rewarding or you know less than necessary, but it's it's just one of those things that it kind of grabs hold of you and you you know pretty soon you're waking up at six in the morning jumping on teleconferences and, and that kind of thing. But I guess, you know, a couple of things that you brought up here earlier is, you know, with Southern Components originally being Gagnail Trust as a franchise. How do you view the component manufacturer's role today, you know, with such a limited number of plate suppliers or, you know, on the supply side, our industry doesn't have a robust number of suppliers, whether it's machinery or software plates or or really anything, how do you see the industry keeping that in balance? And, you know, have you had any struggles with that or how do you view those relationships? Well, I, I think it's kind of funny because we're circling back around to years ago. I, I think there were a lot more uh, players um, years ago. And, and I'm certainly, you know, not saying that, that our partnerships today with our vendors aren't important. They are. But I think now, uh, with the limited amount of uh, plate suppliers that are out there, it's even more important for component manufacturers to be uh, independently strong and to really, uh, you know, guide our own destiny where we want to be when we grow up, you know, what we want to be when we grow up. So I think that uh, the relationships that we form with other component manufacturers, the discussions that we have about where, where we're going as an industry and, and what that looks like are really, really valuable. Um, I can tell you that as a family-owned business, we've always kept our options open. Uh, so we currently, you know, we wrote our own management software. We wrote our own production software to keep those doors open, to be able to move uh, in any direction that we need to for the health of our, of our company. Uh, and I certainly know that a lot of component manufacturers right now are challenged uh, in that area because they are really locked in pretty uh, strong to their vendors and and that it's not necessarily a bad thing it's just uh from from our perspective from our family's perspective it's you know we always like the, uh, the position to be in to be a little bit more fluid with that so i think that there's some challenges coming ahead and, and you know we just we're better united than we are being divisive on it so it's it's a good time to be in the association and uh, i think it's beneficial to have those conversations and I guess I'll I'll kind of ask you the the question of how does SBCA 
where do you see SPCA's role in that moving forward and how how can they best represent component manufacturers through you know difficulties that they might be having in their, their personal businesses and then just as a whole with trying to navigate the waters of of manufacturing trusses today well kirk uh always likes the term uh you know not having the tail wag the dog and that's important i think that really came from you know some of the old guys back in the day um that even applies now with component manufacturers with our association so i can remember a time where staff uh may not have had enough, uh, I guess, leadership or enough uh, assertiveness from CMs at the time to really drive the ship. So they, they did the best they could in, in trying to take us down a road that, that we needed to be on. And they've certainly done a good job with that. But I think now you can see it really turning around where component manufacturers are, are really driving that ship. And I think that what SBCA has done is, especially staff, is they've done a very good job at listening to our concerns and our needs. And they are, uh, I think we're aligning uh, quite nicely uh, with, you know, with our needs versus what staff can bring to the table. And I, I can see that continuing uh, for years to come. So I'm excited about the direction that we're headed right now. So SBCA is, in my opinion, uh, really, really, uh, on board with what we need as component manufacturers, and they're doing all they can to, uh, to help facilitate our desires. Yeah, and you know, kind of digging into your, I don't know, your experience with SBCA to, you know, some of the personal things. Have you, you know, formed any lasting friendships or maybe even some business relationships through SBCA and your your time spent working there or working with SBCA? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, those those relationships are invaluable. I, you know, I think that uh, I, I have some best friends out of the industry, uh, some great business relationships. You know, we lean on one another uh, in, in times of trouble uh, and even even in good times when things come, you know, out of left field that, that nobody's uh, experienced before or, or had any uh, dealings with in the past. You know, we, we certainly call one another and bounce off ideas and talk about our problems and you know, it's gotten so much better in recent years. I, I remember a time when my dad, you know, we wouldn't allow anyone in the plant because you might possibly have some secret way of building trusses. So if your competitor down the street wanted to come visit, well, you just about had to visit them in the parking lot because they certainly weren't coming in the office. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think with the way the association is now and the way the industry responds to one another, you know, I've built uh, not only relationships with people across the country, but, but my local competitors and I are, are building relationships that are, are hugely beneficial to us because really and truly it's, it's a small industry. There's not a lot of players. Uh, and so the, the more we're together, the more those relationships are formed, the stronger we are. So I think it's been a, a huge um, benefit being involved and in, in having those relationships through the association. You know, I've had a lot of conversations with with different CMs here recently, and that that theme seems to to really strike a chord with each of them. That you know, if you're on the outside looking in, you don't necessarily see it, but you know that is one of the the viable points of of, of membership, and not only just membership, but being active and getting to know other people because you know, it is so fragmented nationally and there are so many different component manufacturers, even though it is a, a select group, you know, it's easy to tell who the, the smart people are in the room and, you know, you start asking them questions and learning things. And, and that's really a point that, 
you know, hopefully the, the association can continue to to drive home with the people that may be members and, and not attending or those on the outside looking in that, you know, certainly, um, you know, you were one of the people that that helped me get involved early on when I'd show up to a meeting and would actually reach out and, and talk to me and engage me in conversation. And it, it helped tremendously. So, you know, for that, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, and, you know, there's there's a lot to be said with with your point there, of, you know, helping each other out and getting through problems together. Well, let's face it, you know, we never know who we're going to run across and what they can bring to the table. So that's why it's so important to try to to reach out and, and bring somebody in. You know, you've done an outstanding job as, as president of that uh, this association. And I think that, uh, you know, we really we're you're the guy that we called our sleeper, right? Because you didn't you weren't really that talkative at first, but then you came on and, and man, brought so much value to. Uh, the board, to the executive committee, and uh, to the association as a whole. So I think everybody can, uh, you know, say the same thing that I'm saying is that, you know, that it was such a huge benefit just to reach out and say, hey, come get involved, you know, share with us what you know, and, and you can learn something from us as well. And, and I think that, that that's the way it should be. And uh, we need to do more of that. Yeah, now here I am uh, hosting podcasts, so. <laughs> well, <laughs> you never know which way the wind's going to blow from one day to the next. But uh, exactly. no, your input is always your input's always valuable to us. Thinking about the different areas that you've been involved with within SBCA, what uh, committees and activities are you and have you been the most passionate about? Uh, I chair the QC committee. Um, on the, I think I'm on the management committee and BCMC committee. I think. I'm probably most passionate about QC. Uh, my dad was uh, one of the uh, original guys that got that going. Our plant was one of the first plants in the uh, the nation to use in-plant QC, that, that program that uh, was developed inside of WTCA. And so, you know, I've grown up with it uh, ever since I've started here. So I'm very passionate about the quality control program that we have and and how it's benefited us is uh, it's been amazing to see the difference in how we were fabricating trusses and what we thought was a quality product versus what we're doing now. And and there's some exciting things coming around the corner with with quality as well. So I think that the QC committee is, has been my my favorite by far. Yeah, there's there's definitely some great things coming out of that that effort, and you know the the QC committee as a whole and. You know, it's always a matter of, you know, everybody thinks they build a great trust and, and most of them are correct, but can they prove it? And I, I think that's what QC does and allows CMs to do is they are able to, uh, you know, show show others outside, maybe the industry or even their customer base that here we are, you know, we're we're within these limits. And, and you know, it's one thing to say something, but it's another thing to be able to prove it. That's right. I agree. Now, you uh, have the distinct pleasure to, to serve two consecutive terms as SPCA president, which, you know, at, at the time there was talk of maybe making uh, the presidency two years for, for a term, which, you know, I kind of rebuked at, the, at that time. But, uh, you know, as president, what were some of the challenges that you, you felt SPCA faced and how did you guide them through it? Oh, that's a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you supposed to be asking me those questions? I'm just kidding. Uh, 
Uh, you know, there was, I don't know if this, pro- this will probably get edited out, but that's okay. Uh, there was a period of time where uh, we had a few people disgruntled with Qualtum, our management uh, company that we still use today. So I had to go through the process of uh, assisting with salvaging that relationship. And uh, I look back on that now and realize how valuable that was for us as an association to stay the course and work out some minor differences. Um, you know, I suppose having to be uh president two years in a row and coming off the heels of a recession was also very challenging. We had uh, very little money, uh, very little attendance at meetings and at BCMC shows. Um, Ironically, uh, my dad was the only other president that ever hosted a tabletop BCMC show. Uh, One of those years that I was president had a a tabletop BCMC show down in New Orleans, I believe, um, which was extremely depressing. you know, because just a few years earlier, you know, we were at the height of our of our show. And then I guess the the lumber devaluation debacle was in full swing during uh, my tenure. Uh, so it, it was quite a trying time to be president, to be honest with you. And I remember, you know, a couple things about that. Uh, you seemed to remain calm when, when everybody else was maybe emotionally charged or upset or you know, wanting to to take actions with maybe not fully understanding the unintended consequences to to borrow a term we we use frequently, but uh, you know that's one of the things I admired about you. And then I remember you uh, oh at, at one point telling me or kind of offering some advice that you know your role was to basically get the people in the room and then to play referee and to let it you know let them sort it out. And I I took that to heart and you know. I still use that really for, for a lot of things I do today is just kind of try to see the the forest for the trees, let the people talk and, and try to guide them through it that way. And that's, you know, a couple of things I admired from you and, you know, watched as, as you were president through that time. So I always appreciated that. And, you know, hopefully you know that you made an impression. Well, I appreciate that. I, I can't take all the credit for that. That came from my father from, from years of, getting fussed at i think early on in my career you know i i would attempt to manage through emotions and he really had challenged me and had to uh, show me how that wasn't the right way and so you know that's that's what i do today is i I try to remain as calm as i can and and just work through the bigger picture um, with those issues i I think we were successful with it you know like i said I, i look back on it now and realize that uh what could have been a, a disaster for us turned out to be a, a great thing. And, and a lot of positives have come out on the other side of, of those meetings. And so I'm thankful that uh, I had people like you and, and other people that were at that table that, that were smart enough to, to do the same thing and to, to think reasonably and, and not act out of emotion. So I, I think we all did a good job. Yeah. You know, it was, you know, difficult times, but definitely some, some, a lot of good things came out of it. And I think the association, the, the management team, the, the membership that are involved are, are a lot stronger as a result. And, you know, some of the successes that, you know, we're seeing today, direct result of the effort and the time that were put in at that, you know, back then during those years. I agree. All right. So kind of make it a little more lighter of the conversation. <laughs> what are some of your fondest <laughs> memories? of your time with, with SBCA or some of your favorite meetings or experiences? Uh, I remember uh, my name being drawn to participate in a private tour of the White House one year. That was 
really, really cool. I, I think it was, uh, there were only a few of us that were able to attend. And I think it was uh, Tom Watley with the uh, Eagle Metal Products that set that up for us. Um, you know, we, we actually got to, got to see the president land on the White House lawn and uh, Marine One, and he, he waved at us when he got out. And, and that was just really, really cool. I, I think that that's something I'll never forget. Um, and then, you know, I think, uh, gosh, I don't know, my favorite times, probably the most humbling and, and the most memorable would be receiving the awards, the Leadership Award and the Hall of Fame. I, I was just really taken aback by my peers uh, giving me those awards. So I, I think those are some awesome memories. Yeah, the awards certainly certainly are, you know, humbling and, and appreciated. But which president? Was it George W. Bush or Clinton or? Yeah, it was Bush. Um, was yeah, it? And I'm trying to remember. I don't remember what year it was, uh, but it was, you know, we did. It was late at night, so there wasn't anybody there. It was, a, like I said, it was a private tour in the evening, and uh, we got to see the Oval Office. And uh, I can't remember if it was Dick Cheney or somebody walking past us in the hallway. It was just a real cool experience. <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah, that is great. Yeah. All right. So now time for another probably loaded question that might get edited out. We'll see. But, uh, you know, Kirk Grundle's kind of been the, uh, the mainstay. And as I uh, am hopefully to, to do a few of these different podcasts with different people, I, I want to kind of always draw it back to Kirk. And, and he's a polarizing individual with, you know, certain crowds, but everybody on the SBCA side seems to, uh, you know, have had some spirited, interactions with Kirk and I guess just kind of take a moment to uh, describe how how you've dealt with Kirk or not necessarily dealt with him but interacted and you know I, I don't think there's anybody as passionate for the industry as him but sometimes it's hard to to contain that passion and sometimes it's you know not always in agreement with your views so I guess just kind of talk a little bit about about Kirk and and how that's transpired over the years. Boy I could go in all kind of directions right now this is really <laughs> fun. <laughs> No, I, so Kirk Grundahl, Kirk is an extremely intelligent guy. Um, my challenges with him are to always get him to dummy down his thought process so a Louisiana boy can follow. Uh, but I love Kirk. He's become one of my best friends in the industry and, you know, he always challenges me to strive for excellence. Uh, we've certainly had some knockdown drag out fights and disagreements, uh, but we always come out shaking hands and giving hugs. Um, you know, his personality is like mine, very strong, but, you know, just like you said, he, he's always been 100% in support of this industry and this association. Um, you know, I, I know that people have all kinds of opinions about anybody that they want to, and so certainly, you know, people may view him differently than those that are closer to him, but I can tell you being closer to him has... Uh, open my eyes to where his heart is um, on all of the issues that we face. And I just appreciate him and, and his wife and the staff. And, and that's, that's my relationship with Kirk. It, it can be challenging at times, but it's uh, certainly a good one. I think anyway, you know, may have. <laughs> you know and the nice thing about Kirk is you always know that you're on the same team, that you're working for the same goal, no matter, you know, how spirit the, the debate or the conversation might get that, you know, that you're working for this in the same direction. And that's those relationships are, are rare in, in my view. And so it's nice to have that, um, you know, you, you might disagree on how to go about doing something, but you know that you're there for the, the betterment of, 
of the particular cause. And that's that's one of the things I've always respected about Kirk. And I told Susie at the, the meeting in San Diego, you know, and for those people listening, I, I think it's important to understand is that a lot of times, you know, Kirk, that's his job. He lives in the weeds of some of the issues that we face and some of the challenges that are on our plate. Whereas we have businesses to run. So the association is a, you know, a side journey for a lot of us. I mean, it helps us in our business, but Kirk lives and breathes it every day. So what happens is, you know, he's an engineer, uh, but he's also, you know, a different kind of engineer. He can talk normal too. He, he just, you know, digs really deep sometimes. It goes kind of fast. And what I challenge people to do is, hey, if you don't understand something or understand where he's going or what he's talking about, then, then call him. And tell him to dummy it down and to slow down. And, and I think that that's helped my relationship with him tremendously is to not be afraid of that guy. Just to call him and say, dude, I don't, you are losing me. And, and now in the middle of a conversation, whether we're on an exec call or in the, a board meeting, we'll stop it and say, Kurt, slow down, you know, go back and help us understand where you are. And then like you're saying now, at the end of it all, we realize we're all on the same page. Uh, he's just living it every day so it takes us a little while to catch up but it's been a good thing yeah he's he's certainly one of a kind yeah <laughs> uh, yeah all right i did throw well, in there kinda... somewhere that i love Kurt. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that'll be edited and put on repeat i'm sure yeah exactly. so watching you on facebook you you know we're, we're friends we're, we're facebook friends and pal around but uh you have a you know a relatively large family how how much time does it keep how much time does it take to just keep track of them and you know figuring out what what they're up to and you know monitoring all that how how do you do that <laughs> i've hired a secretary for that jess that's how that works now <laughs> no i'm kidding uh it's a lot you know ellie and i have five kids uh ages 29 down to 18 um you know, we're four months away from being empty nesters and we're excited about that, but it's, uh, you know, it's a lot of work when they were younger. We felt like we were running a marathon seven days a week, uh, between sports and school and Lord knows what, um, you know, I, I think the greatest thing that ever happened to us is when they got their driver's license and that helped out tremendously. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's a lot to keep up with, but we wouldn't change it for the world. Why don't you give us a little rundown about what they're all up to? Oh, Lord. Uh, well, let's see. Seth is our oldest, and uh, he is 29 years old. Um, he runs my production department. Um, he decided college really wasn't for him, and, and he wanted something that was challenging yet rewarding, and we certainly found that spot. Um, you know, he runs our, our two trust plants. We have a steel trust plant, a wood trust plant, and uh, he manages over 100 employees at that age. That's pretty awesome. Um, Megan is our only daughter. She's 26. Uh, she works at a doctor's office but still goes to school. She's trying to become a doctor herself. Uh, she's married and gave us our first grandchild a couple of years ago. He's awesome because we can give him back after a few hours, so we're <laughs> excited about that. So. Uh, let's see. Next would be Caleb. Uh, he, our son that went to LSU, he's, uh, currently working for us as a scheduler, but I think his passion is in the medical field or something similar. So I don't look for him to, uh, be here for a long period of time. Um, so we'll see where the wind blows him. Uh, but you know, he's a smart boy. He'll figure it out. Um, our son, Zach is uh, 20 and he goes to West Point military Academy. 
Uh, he plays football for Army. Um, he just told us this weekend, I think they had to pick their major. Uh, he's going to go into counterintelligence, I believe. And uh, so that'll be exciting to see. He's got uh, he's got three more years at West Point, and then they, he owes the Army five years of service after after that. So he's got a little little time to figure some of that out. Uh, and then finally, we have uh, an 18-year-old Adam who's a senior in high school, and he'll go off to college this summer. So we've got him scattered all over. Cool. So yeah, you got a couple that are involved in the the manufacturing facility. One sounds like might be the more longer term, and another one might find his way back to the the medical field. How do you, you know, are you trying to encourage them to get into component manufacturing or anything like that, or are you just allowing them to find their own ways and well, I think it's important, uh, like myself, I've always had a passion to be here, and I think that that's the number one thing that, that I would require out of anybody that works for us, whether you're related or not, is just be passionate about being here. And if that's not something that's in your heart to do, then I'm not going to force you to, to get in the business or to you know, be a part of this. I, I really want people to, to be here that want to be here. So I encourage the kids to explore that option if they are interested. But certainly if their heart's in a different area, I encourage that as well. So it's kind of my philosophy on it. That's a good one to have, especially for, you know, regardless if you're related or not. And I imagine there's a part of it kind of thinking back to, to workforce development issues. Do you find it challenging to describe our industry to to those that might not be familiar with it? I find it extremely challenging. Uh, you know, at times there are tools that we do a lot of uh, uh, programs with the, the colleges and uh, universities that are around us, uh, the, the job fairs, uh, we'll set up booths and, and bring some demos. There's some material that SBCA offers uh, its members uh, to provide to the students that are looking to get into the industry. You know, I think one of the challenges that we face, too, is that, you know, everybody's pushing college. And not that college is, is not a good thing. Certainly, you know, we know we've had kids go. Uh, but I think that, that people miss out on the trade aspect of things, too. Not every kid uh, is going to do well in college and, and will finish. And so, you know, we're kind of, you know, missing out on some opportunities there to, to bring some youngsters that are in high school, you know, into the fold. I think we've got to do a better job at that. Um, they can certainly have a rewarding career in, in our industry uh, without necessarily having to have a four-year degree. And uh, so... Yeah, it's a little challenging to explain to them, but we've also done some plant tours as well from high school seniors to show them what we do, and that helps out uh, a tremendous amount once they see the fabrication and process and all that, they get intrigued. So I think that's been beneficial too. Yeah, yeah, the more you can engage, and I know the more the younger age or that influ influential age that you can get them involved in, in stuff, there's, there's definitely benefits to be had from that. And I guess thinking a broader component manufacturing industry, what advice do you have for, for CMs today? Is there anything that really sticks out that you wish that the industry was better at? Oh, well, I think school of hard knocks. I'll say uh, stay out of debt as much as possible uh, so that you can endure the downtimes. I think, uh, you know, we've been through a couple of spells uh, with the recession and then the, uh, the lumber uh, issue jumping way out there. So I think a, a lot of people that were in a tremendous amount of debt were really uh, stressing out a lot more than they should have. Um, 
you know, I, I think uh, place a tremendous amount of value on your people. Uh, you know, that that's our that's the deal breaker, right? So if you, if you don't place value in your people, then you're never going to be as successful as you can be. Um, you know, and I'd also say to CMs, you know, and that's something that we're preaching as an association as well, is that, you know, do the very best you can at knowing your costs so you can price accurately. And, uh, you know, that, that'll help everybody as an industry. We, we want to be smarter in that area. Um, and then I guess, I don't know, lastly, I would probably say, Somebody out there needs to fix the lumber debacle. You can get somebody to do that. <laughs> That's my <laughs> advice is find a solution to that. And we'll all be happy, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. How uh, how about for anybody that's on the fence with engaging with SBCA? What words of wisdom would you have for them? So this is how I put this uh, to everybody I talk to. If you're okay with uh, riding around in a car without a seatbelt or jumping out of a plane without a parachute, then you're okay with not joining or being involved. For the rest of us, um, it's not an option. It's invaluable. Uh, we're getting way more out of it than we are putting in it. It's, uh, it's just something that I could not imagine doing business today without being engaged in the association. Uh, the friends that I've made, the, the, you know, the partnerships, all that, that we have going for us. I, I just could not imagine doing this today in, in this day and age without being involved. So my opinion is join. It's way more value than, than what people realize. Well, with that, and I, I thank you for that, Scott. But uh, that wraps up everything I wanted to get through with our time together. Do you have anything or any parting shots or final comments you'd like to share with us? No, I, I appreciate the time that you spent with me today. I appreciate all that uh, staff does and uh, all that our membership does to bring value to our industry. I think it's uh, I think we've got some great years ahead of us and I'm excited. I think we're going in a great direction. So look forward to uh, the future. Well, with that, uh, I'd like to thank you again for, for taking some time out of your business schedule to join us at our podcast. I'd also like the listeners for Thank you, the listeners, for spending some time with us and hopefully learning a little bit more about Scott and the SBCA. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time for SBCA's podcast. I'm Jess Lowe's. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to SBCA's podcast, Component Connection. We are committed to bringing you a variety of information via this podcast. Please email your feedback or suggestions for future topics to podcast at sbcindustry.com. 